Welcome to the Chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number 106 of Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Shane Half. You can follow me on Twitter at ShaneHalfNFL. I am joined today by the best co-host in the game. You've heard him on the Tough Cover Radio Show. It is Mark Henry Jr. You can give him a follow on Twitter at MarkHenryJr. Underscore. Mark, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Uh, we're going to be harsh on some teams here that won't be happy with us, but... I'm also going to prop up some teams that I've criticized in the past, so it goes both ways. All right, and I'm also joined uh, by Dibes. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Mr. Crockpot. Be sure you check out his podcast, Party on Broad. Dibes, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, man. We are a week uh, post-NFL draft, and I'm already got about nearly 10,000 words on the 2024 NFL draft. True sickos here. Uh, we are going to break down though this one and what a home run it was for the Philadelphia Eagles. Absolutely. We're going to get into it. Um, this is the first live show that Mark and I have done for Chalk Talk since the Super Bowl recap show. So I didn't butcher the intro, but I did have to go back and listen to it and write it down because it's been <laughs> so long. But looking forward to getting back into some live shows with you guys. If you are with listening live, watching live, you can drop us some comments. We love to interact with you guys. But Today we are grading every NFC or not any every NFC teams draft hall and we're going to try to keep this tight about 4 minutes a team so it'll be about an hour podcast and yeah stop me if you've heard that before but this won't be in-depth analysis we're just giving overall thoughts on the teams and uh, I am not a easy grader I hate it it drives me crazy when sites put out their graphics and like their lowest grade is a B minus that's not how grades work and so for me, like the C is the average, and you've got to do something really good or really bad to move off of that. And so C is the starting point for all of my grades. So we're going to start with the NFC East, as we typically do on this podcast, with the Philadelphia Eagles. A pair of first-round selections in Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith. Uh, they also got Keely Ringo out of Georgia to complete the Georgia trifecta at uh, in the fourth round. Uh, Mark and I broke these down. Every team, we've got a best and worst value, biggest regrets. You guys can see these graphics here on the screen. Uh, both of us said the best value in this draft was Keely Ringo. I said the worst value was Tanner McKee. Mark copped out and said not applicable. Uh, but we both kind of agreed the biggest regret was not drafting a pass catcher. And that's where McKee comes in for me is, is the big regret. There were some guys I would have taken on the board there as a pass catcher. But overall for me, Eagles, it gets an A+. Plus. I don't know how you can give it anything else. I think it, they had one of the best draft weekends in the NFL. Uh, Mark, what say you? Yeah, there really just were no bad values. Like, even Tanner McKee, you guys both had him in the top 100. It's Dive's guy. So, I mean, he can't be a bad value if he's one of Dive's guys. Um, no, I'm joking. But, I, I by the way, that seven, that seven top 100 players includes Eli Ricks who's one of only two top 100 players of mine to go undrafted. Now, I understand the reasons why Eli Ricks went undrafted. Am I expecting him to play a role? Probably not, especially with all the DBs that we drafted in this draft and have on the roster already. But to get seven top 100 players in my top 100 while only having four top 100 picks, I mean, how could I not give that an A+. Absolutely. So Dives, I didn't get you on the graphics here because we weren't sure if we were going to be able to get you for the show. But uh, overall, your thoughts on the Eagles draft hall? Well, it is Star Wars Day, so let's let's bring it home. 
Uh, talk about the apprentice becoming the master. You have Nolan Smith learning under Hassan Reddick, Jalen Carter learning under Fletcher Cox, Keely Ringo learning under James Bradbury and uh, Darius Slabe. And it's going to be a ton of fun to watch all these chess pieces, uh, new chess pieces the Eagles have in this loaded up Eagles defense. I'm excited for watching these young players grow. That was the big thing coming into this draft. The Eagles needed to inject youth and talent onto this defense, and they did that and then some. And then I, I just real quick, in terms of the – I do want to make sure that I focus – I sometimes I think I get overwhelmed with, like I said, seven top 100 players, only four top 100 picks. The most important thing in the NFL – is that you get elite blue chip talent. So in all reality, the first round becomes so much more important than the rest of it, especially when you're picking at the top end of the first round when you have a chance at elite talent. The Eagles took a home run swing at a no doubt top five talent in this class. Uh, and I had him five, which is way lower than most have him, which you guys both had him in the top two. Not only did they get incredible value throughout their board, and not only did they get a lot of really good football players, they most importantly got one of the most elite football players in the class. So that bumps up their grade uh, even more. Absolutely. All right. Uh, comment coming in here from Miss Chris. Uh, asked who is Eli Ricks. He was a defensive back from Alabama. Though. He was 77 on my big board. He signed with the Eagles as a UDFA. So. He was a transfer from LSU who, when he transferred to Alabama, people were expecting him to be a top five to 10 pick. Mm -hmm. He had a terrible season at Alabama. Um, but then he, even still, people thought he was going to be a day two pick. Even he goes undrafted. I get he ran a, he ran a really slow 40. Four, six. Yeah, yeah, he ran, he's, he ran, he did not do well at the combine in any way. But there are some reasons to think, hey, he was a big-time high school prospect. Even as recently as a year ago, people thought he was a first-rounder. Not a bad swing to take as a UDFA. Yeah. And he was dominant at LSU. Dominant. Yes, especially uh, his first year. Yeah, Great measurable, six-foot-two, a guy like Keely Ringo who can dominate at the line. Uh, just, you know, needs to stay healthy, needs to, you know, allow the game to kind of slow down for him a little bit. Uh, but huge upside. Yeah. And if you guys want some more of a deep dive on the Eagles draft, you can check out the BGN radio feed. Uh, the three of us just recorded an in-depth episode that will release tomorrow. So you can get more of our in-depth thoughts here. This is a little more of an overview. So let's move on to the next team in the NFC East. It is the New York Giants. Uh, I listed their best value pick as interior offensive lineman John Michael Schmitz. I know Dives would agree with me. He was 17th on Dives' big board. <laughs> I said their worst value was Deontay Banks. And you got to take that with a grain of salt because they took him 19th overall. Or excuse me, they took him 24th overall, and he was 19th on my big board. That's how good I think their draft was. They got my 19th guy at 24th, and that's the worst value I could come up with. I thought they had an A-plus draft. I loved what they did. Deontay Banks, John Michael Schmitz, Jalen Hyatt, three good players at three, the three biggest needs on their roster. I thought it was a slam dunk draft for the giants. Yeah. Realistically, I should have put Deontay banks on the worst value. I, I, and I should have put um, Joey Porter jr. They, I think they should have taken Joey Porter jr. Instead of Deontay banks, but Deontay banks is a good pick. Like he's a super athlete. The giants are not in a super bowl window right now, so they can take a swing 
on a, a, such an elite athlete there and just hope it pans out like a Tariq Wool and Sauce Gardner situation and hope he just outperforms anything we've seen from him before since we don't have a lot of tape on him. But I wanted to slip in a dig that just to remind Giants fans, you might have had a good draft, but you paid Daniel Jones a whole lot of money and he stinks at football. So had to slide that in uh, and, and make fun of the Giants fans. But good draft, three biggest needs, three good players, three guys who should be able to play right away. All right, Dibes, anything you want to chime in on the Giants draft? No, it just pains me to say that New York is getting their act together. If you look at last year with Thibodeau and Evan Neal, although Evan Neal had his struggles, major upside uh, moving forward into 2023. Their top three picks, I think, are bona fide impact guys, um, and they're getting it together, man. Kudos. Yep. All right, let's keep this train moving here with the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, who uh, had selected Mozzie Smith in the first round, Luke Schoonmaker in the second round, DeMarvin Overshone in the third, and there's some filler in here. Deuce Vaughn in the sixth round is the other name that they got. Um, Mark and I both listed their best value as DeMarvin Overshone and their worst value as Mozzie Smith. Uh, I said my biggest draft <laughs> regret for the Cowboys was Walking into the draft was such a whole, huge hole at defensive tackle and also at tight end. It kind of pigeonholed them in the first two rounds to drafting for need, and I think they majorly reached. I gave them a C- minus for a draft grade, and I, that might not be low enough. I think they had a pretty awful draft, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I my biggest regret about the Cowboys is literally every single decision that they've made this offseason. Um, I, I think firing the offensive coordinator was incredibly silly. I think handing Mike McCarthy more responsibilities is incredibly silly. I think cutting Zeke and then never replacing him with another back or drafting another back is incredibly silly. Tony Pollard hasn't been able to stay healthy with a limited workload with Zeke there taking the brunt of his carries. So what's there to say he's staying healthy as the workhorse back where they don't have a, I mean, who do they draft here? Deuce Vaughn. Good luck with that. He's my size. Actually, he's shorter. So I, I don't think that guy is going to work in, in the NFL. Um, then you look at receiver. I actually like the Brandon Cooks trade, so I'll cut them some slack there. But you add Brandon Cooks as a second pass catcher. You lost Dalton Schultz. Like, I, I just hate everything about this Cowboys offseason. Like, you haven't done anything to positively add to this team. You had your assets. Like, you had all your picks. And you didn't add anything to the team. Mozzie Smith, whole play, but... I mean, he's not going to give you anything in terms of a pass rush. He'll help your run defense, maybe. Luke Schoomaker, terrible pick. There were way better tight ends on the board. Overshone, fine pick. That's okay. He's a modern linebacker. That's fine. Fahoko, fine pick at that point. And none of the other picks get me excited at all. Uh, they didn't get any top 100 prospects for me. This was an easy, easy F. Worst pick of the first round with Mozzie Smith. All right. Uh, Dibes, do you want to pile on anything there? Oh, Absolutely. Um, the first two picks are the biggest reaches in the entire first two rounds. Easy. Uh, like Mark said, I like Overshone. I think he's got some fun upside. Uh, and Viliami Fahoko is a fun prospect. I'm at, that's the one guy on this list that I actually would like to see in Philly because I think he's got some nice upside with size and production and, and everything else. But outside of that, what a whiff, man. Swing and a miss. Yeah. Miss Chris agrees with us, uh, said they totally bombed the draft. And to I just I dropped this on Twitter, but I got to say it here too. 
Your first round pick, Mozzie Smith, averaged 0.016 sacks per game in his collegiate career. And you say he's a really good run stuffer. He's not going to rush the passer. He's a good run stuffer. He had 0.2 tackles for loss per game. So it's not like he was making a huge impact there. Luke Schoonmaker has one season over 175 receiving yards. Oh, and he's six weeks younger than Jalen Hurts. So just not, not a good use of resources, in my opinion, from Dallas. But let's move on to the team whose draft I liked less than Dallas's wow. in the division. It's the Washington Commanders, who took Emmanuel Forbes in the first round, uh, Jatavis Martin in the second round, and and I gave my best value uh, to the Emmanuel Forbes pick, but at that, they took him at 16, and I had him as my number 32 player, so I still had it as a pretty big reach. Jatavis Martin was not in my top 100, uh, so my biggest draft regret for the commanders is just botching the secondary. They could have had Christian Gonzalez at 16. There were better defensive backs on the board at 47. I just thought they did a real, they needed to address the secondary. I thought they did a really poor job with the players they selected. Yeah. I mean, I like Forbes a lot more than both of you guys. And this was a case. There was a couple times in this draft where uh, we had the list of uh, the 10 guys that we were each highest on by the most in terms of math. And two of the guys that I'll get to one later. So one of the guys that was quote unquote, my guy that I was a lot higher than both of you on was Emmanuel Forbes. He went 16. I had him 19. So I thought I was extraordinarily high on Forbes. He went even higher than I expected. I understand though, why you could draft Forbes early. If you don't care about the weight, the tape is incredible. You could absolutely tell yourself that he is the CB one of this class on tape. And in terms of ball production, he's by far the CB one of this class. Personally, I would be a little bit scared. I mean, I still like him a lot, but I would be a little bit scared about the weight. So I would have leaned Joey Porter Jr. I would have leaned Christian Gonzalez, but there's reports out there that the Patriots liked Forbes even more than they liked Gonzalez. There's reports out there that the Ravens were desperate for Emmanuel Forbes. So maybe they weren't as crazy as we thought during draft time at pick 16. Maybe there were some tea leaves out there that more teams were interested in Forbes than we thought. But I hate everything else that they did, and apparently they're going to be relying on these guys heavily. Jartavius Martin is someone they want to start at safety. Ricky Stromberg is someone who they're going to apparently be starting. Braden Daniels is someone who will immediately be backing up both tackle positions. So this is what Commanders fans are saying. I think this team is going to bottom out. They wasted an offseason on a lame duck head coach in Ron Rivera and a fifth-round quarterback in Sam Howell. And then they didn't do a good job in the draft addressing any of their needs besides maybe Emmanuel Forbes. So um, Emmanuel Forbes might be a reach. And then Shane, Shane thinks he's a bigger reach than I have. And he still has him as the best value. So I think that says a lot. Uh, they, dra they literally drafted the wrong Illinois safety. That's hard to do. <laughs> All right. So Mark and I both gave them a D plus. Dibes, where are you at with the Washington draft? All right. So it, it, it's about, you know, Win now versus guys with upside. Um, these are there's a lot of reaches here, but I do like what the commanders did on day three, especially like Braden Daniels, KJ Henry, Chris Rodriguez. Uh, all those three guys are major winners of the draft draft process. I had those guys on my most underrated day three prospects. Uh, Ricky Stromberg, I think, is a very good prospect. Uh, Jartavius Martin is a major reach. Emmanuel Forbes, who I absolutely love, was one of the biggest surprise picks at that position. Uh, I'm going to go C. 
I'll go CC plus because these are these guys all made my list of favorite guys uh, for day three, as I said, but they they shouldn't have been drafted where they were drafted. Uh, Brayden Daniels has really fun athleticism. Could be outside, could be inside. KJ Henry, uh, if you don't know who that is, just watch the combine. That that guy dominated. Uh, so interesting names, uh, but guys that I don't think move the needle anytime soon. All right, let's keep rolling here into the NFC North where we have the Chicago Bears who made a lot of selections. Uh, Darnell Wright, offensive lineman at 10, Gervin Dexter at 53, Tyreek Stevenson at 56, and uh, sort of on from there. I said my best value of the draft was them taking Tyler Scott, who was the number 58 player on my big board, wide receiver out of Cincinnati at 133. Worst value was taking Darnell Wright at 10. I had him at 66 on my big board. I uh, thought that was a big reach, although I knew a lot of people liked Wright more than I did. Uh, my biggest regret for them was not bolstering the pass rush enough. Like they needed to do something for uh, the offensive line that they needed to bolster the offensive line. But when it comes to the pass rush, that was also a major issue. And Gervin Dexter, he's a nose tackle. He doesn't offer pass rushing upside Zach Pickens. I mean, th there's just nobody on here. That's got the potential to be probably a seven sack player and, for a team with such a poor pass rush a year ago, I would have liked to have seen them invest some more there. So uh, overall, I gave their draft a C. Uh, Mark, where are you at with this draft? You're on mute, though. I gave them a C, and it was an uphill climb to get to a C. Um, after the first day, I went to war with the city of Chicago and all Bears fans everywhere on Twitter. They were not happy with me. They were coming after me. Uh, and I was trying to remind them, that Darnell Wright was expected to go outside of the top 50 a couple weeks to months ago, and you had the first overall pick, and that's, that's who you ended up with. That's it. That's the problem. You cannot end up with Darnell Wright after a process of having the first overall pick. Um, and they traded down way too early. It never made sense to me in terms of a value proposition to trade down three weeks before the draft when there's four quarterbacks at the top of the draft. Like, build up some intrigue. To put some smoke screens out. Put some reports out. Like, don't just tr jump at the first trade offer you get. And especially if it's not a trade offer that prioritizes long-term draft capital, I hate everything about what they did in the first round in terms of trading down from one to nine way too early, not getting enough. And then you have a golden opportunity, an olive branch from the dumb GMs to go and draft Jalen Carter and to get an elite talent who you would have probably considered at number one overall anyway. And you moved off of that and gave up that opportunity for a fourth round pick from the Philadelphia Eagles and you let the Philadelphia Eagles in your conference, go and get Jalen Carter. Like, I just don't understand anything about that, but I like a lot of what it, what they did after that. I think Gervon Dexter's a really good player. Tyreek Stevenson's a really good player. I love Roshan Johnson. I think there's a chance he ends up breaking out in the NFL. Not a lot of tread on the tires as Bijan's back up there. I know Shane's really high on Tyler Scott. I'm not that high on Tyler Scott, but I still had him in my top hundred and they got him at 133. I love the Noah Sewell pick. Like, I think that's a really, really good player. I think he's a guy who can play right away. Um, I, I like a lot of what they did on day, late day two, early day three. Um, but, you know, it's hard to pull that up from what I think they did coming from the first overall pick. All right. So, Dives, we both gave him a C. What do you got for the Chicago Bears? 
you guys crushed it. I don't have anything to add from that. Like Mark said, like going from one to ten to end up with Darnell Wright. Uh, no, 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 no. That that just cannot happen. I, I think Darnell Wright's uh, definitely a first round talent, uh, but you had J- Jalen Carter, you had Will Anderson right there in your lap, ready to go, man. How exciting would that be? And I, yeah. I don't, I don't understand it. We got a comment coming in that says true, but Darnell Wright will be very good. He may be. I didn't like him that much uh, going through his film and stuff. He was. I knew I was lower on him than consensus. I just never saw it with Wright. But he had three really, really bad years, and then had one good year at Tennessee. He could be good. I mean, maybe that one year is all you need to see. Um, he did a really, really good job against Will Anderson, and that I remember that was what we talked about on our offensive tackles show. That I was, I was willing to put him in my top 50 at least because of what he did against will anderson but in my opinion even if you were dead set on offensive tackle you should have taken peter skaronsky or broderick jones before you take before you go and take darnell Wright. so uh personally i i just hate to pick on every front like i don't think it was the right pick like right position to make when there was jalen carter on the board uh and i also don't think it was the right pick at that position so i i just if they would have messed, if they would have just gotten that pick right, we could be talking about an A draft because I like pretty much everything else they did, but that's terrible. All right, moving on to the Detroit Lions, who selected Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell in the first round, Sam Laporta and Brian Branch in the second round, and Hendon Hooker in the third round. Dibes, I'm going to lob you the softball here. Talk to me about the Lions draft. One of the most laughable moments of the draft watch party was uh chalking it up with the detroit lions jameer gibbs jack campbell uh those first two picks are ridiculous i I don't understand the value uh jack campbell in a bad linebacker class goes linebacker one at pick 18 um i do like sam laporta i do like brian branch then they take a guy in head and hooker who i don't like at all uh, in round three, I'm sorry, I, I don't believe in that guy. Broderick Martin is a guy I like maybe a reach at, in round three. Uh, but Broderick Martin, I think, has really fun tools that I think could translate to the next level. Um, I give this like a C minus uh, just for the fact that they got Brian Branch in round two. Uh, that's arguably the steal of the draft. I, I'm a big Brian Branch guy. I think he at times at the highest level of competition looked like the best player on the football field. And that, that is worth something. Uh, and I think Sam Laporte is sneaky underrated. Uh, so those two picks alone, just bumped that up a bit. Yeah. I, the Brian branch pick is really good. It was my best value taking Sam Laporta with Michael Mayer on the board, taking Jameer Gibbs in the first round, Jack Campbell in the first round. I mean, my biggest regret for the Lions is they just lit their first round picks on fire. Um, I have people on Twitter telling me, well, they're a better team than they were before the draft. I'm like, yeah, every team in the NFL is a better team than they were in the draft because they added more talented players. Like, that's not the goal because that's every team. The point is that you took pick six and 18 and you turned it into Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell. When, if if you were just not going to go draft people, just trade up to three and go take Anthony Richardson. And you can say that's a future thing. Like, and I'm not saying that's what they should have done, but it would have been better than what they did. I gave the lions draft a D I hated their draft. 
Yeah, it's tough for me because I think they got a lot of good football players. Um, but I hate what they did value wise besides Brian Branch. Um, so Jameer Gibbs, uh, similar two things that are similar to things I've already touched on. But Jameer Gibbs, another one of my guys. I had Jameer Gibbs ranked twenty sixth, and I was much higher than both of you on him, and you took him twelve. And I will say, similarly to Emmanuel Forbes, apparently he was going to be the 13th pick to the New York Jets. That's what's come out. The Jets were going to take him and make it a two-headed monster with him and Brees Hall, which makes a little bit more sense to me with the Jets trying to compete right now and trying to give weapons to Rodgers. At least that makes more sense than the Lions taking him and trading Swift for nothing, basically. The, your running back room got worse. Like David Montgomery is just a guy, in my opinion. You paid him way too much, and you should have kept Jamal Williams, who's way better and made less money. And then you devoted more draft capital to Jameer Gibbs than you could have just had DeAndre Swift for cheap salary on your team. Like I, I don't understand what you did at the running back position, and I like Jameer Gibbs. Um, I will say the value might not be quite as bad as we think it is because there were other teams that were really interested in him, but – I don't understand the pick for Detroit. Jack Campbell, that's a joke. Where I mean, at 18, taking an off-ball linebacker, it's really stupid. Um, Sam Laporta, I don't hate Sam Laporta as a player. I actually like some of his upside. I think he's a good receiver, um, and I think he was handicapped in that offense. But taking him over Michael Mayer, taking him over Darnell Washington, that's <laughs> dumb. Like I don't understand that whatsoever. Brian Branch, great job. Phenomenal pick. I will say I'm not a Hendon Hooker guy. Like I'm lower on Hendon Hooker than both of you, I think. But I will say if you don't have a backup quarterback and you're the Lions and you're looking at Hendon Hooker as strictly just let's draft him for four years to be a relatively cheap backup, I don't hate that. I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, Shane. Yeah, I mean it's fine with me. I don't I don't mind I don't mind the Hendon Hooker pick there at all, to be honest. Um Gives you a little bit of mobility if he has to come into a game. Not that Goff has that, but now I didn't. I didn't hate that pick. I just I hate what they did in the first round. Their first three picks, like if just would have, should have, could have. Like the Lions could have done so much more to close the gap in the NFC. I was predicting that the Lions would have a uh, an, a draft that would propel them to the NFC Championship and to be the Eagles' main contender. But there was another team in the NFC that, in my opinion, had that draft instead of the Lions. That's a little tease. Well, that's what they call in the radio business a, a little plug, a little tease. All right. Well, let's keep rolling along here to <laughs> the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> <laughs> I missed something. That was dumb. I was making fun of myself. Oh, okay. So the Packers took uh, Lucas. Knowledge all day. <laughs> <laughs> the Packers took Lucas Van Ness in the first round. Uh, I don't know why the Pro Football Reference says Lucas Van instead of Lucas Van Ness, but uh, Luke Musgrave <laughs> and Jaden Reed in the second round. Tucker Craft in the third round because after losing Aaron Rodgers, they were like, "Hey, let's draft all offensive players now." Uh, I said the best value of the draft for them was Tucker Craft. Uh, the worst value was Sean Clifford, who they took at 149. Did you wow. know Sean Clifford is older than Julian Love and wasn't even invited to the combine? And they took that guy with pick 149. I thought that was ridiculous. Um, my biggest draft regret for the Packers was taking Lucas Van Ness over Broderick Jones. 
who I thought would have made a much bigger impact with David Bakhtiari and his injuries and does he even want to play or even taking Jackson Smith and Jigba and then taking Jaden Reed over uh, Jackson or excuse me over uh, Denzel not Denzel Mims uh, Marvin Mims I'm getting all my Mimses mixed up but uh, I, I thought there were better players on the board at some of those junctures, but I gave them a C plus. Uh, you know, I didn't hate their draft; thought it was slightly above average, so C plus grade for me. Yeah, I like Van Ness more than a lot of people like Van Ness, so that's kind of just a meh pick for me. I had him 16th; they took him 13th. I mean, a little higher than I would have liked. There's a couple players I would have taken above him. Uh, of course, I would have taken Miles Murphy above him, but um, uh, Luke Musgrave. I don't understand that pick if you're going to go and take Tucker Craft right after it. Um, uh, that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like take a receiver there and then get something else where the Jaden Reed pick. And then Jaden Reed, you took Jaden Reed over, you took Jaden Reed over a lot of players that are better than Jaden Reed, in my opinion, Uh, especially Jalen Hyatt, Rasheed Rice, maybe Marvin Mims, Cedric Tillman. Um, uh, There's a lot of guys that I would have taken at receiver over Jaden Reed. I think that's really, really high for Reed. That was actually one of my least favorite picks of the the top 50. Uh, I'm not a Reed guy personally. Um, And then, yeah, just two tight ends. And also Sean Clifford, legitimately one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen get drafted. I mean, that is just truly astounding that Sean Clifford is going to the NFL to me. I'll see your Sean Clifford and I'll raise you a Clayton Thorson. Oh my God. That was literally the first name in my head. Peterman's probably worse than all of them. To be fair, (laughs) It's true. All right. uh, Dives, anything you want to add on the Packers draft class? I think you're being too light. I'm going less. I'm going D. Uh, Lucas Van Ness is a mediocre prospect. Uh, Musgrave is nice, but Jaden Reed, who I, I really like is a major reach in the second round. Tucker Craft. And Musgrave, what are we doing here? Um, and then Sean Clifford to put the bow on, on the on on everything, the cherry on the top. Sean Clifford stinks, man. I, I don't know what they're doing. Carl Brooks is a nice prospect. Uh, I, I like that value in round six. I, I think there's some upside there. Outside of Carl Brooks, though, I'm, this is straight D. All right. So Dives is the biggest hater on the Packers draft. Let's go to the last team in this division. It's the Minnesota Vikings, who didn't have a lot of capital to work with. Uh, They took Jordan Addison at pick 23, and then they did not have another pick inside the top 100. Uh, I said my best value for them was running back Dwayne McBride at 222. He should have gone higher than that. Um, My worst value was Jordan Addison, who I had at 22. They took him at 23. I didn't have a lot to work with on this one. Um, but it ties into my biggest regret, which is staying at number 23 with only one pick in the top 100. I would have liked to have seen them move back. Um, especially because I thought there were a lot of slot receivers they could have drafted. They could have moved back a little bit. Um, I'm not saying I hate their draft. I gave it a B overall. just hard to do much when you've only got one pick in the top 100. I would have liked to have seen a trade back. Yeah, it's funny that you made Addison the worst value because I gave this a B strictly because I love the fit of Jordan Addison with Justin Jefferson as the wide receiver too. Like, I think just fit-wise that makes so much sense and it's going to help Jefferson so much as opposed to what Thielen, at least over the last year or so, was bringing. I think Addison's a huge, huge addition. Um, I don't think they ever should have traded for Hawkinson personally. I don't think... Hawkinson is I know he was pretty good for Minnesota but I think a second round pick was always too steep for Hawkinson I would have rather just kept that and it's not like Minnesota was ever going to compete this year anyway 
Um, I mean, I guess they, I mean, they were 13 and four, I guess like they're, but it, we all knew it was the fakest 13 and four of all time. So um, like, I don't know why they thought they would just go trade for a tight end. Wh- whatever. I guess he's young enough, but I, I always thought that was an overpay. So I think that hurts their draft here, but Makai Blackman, I don't think that was a good pick in, in the third round. I think there were pre- I mean, plenty of better players yeah. on the board. I would have much rather had Keely Ringo. Yep. All right. Dibes, anything you want to kick in on the Vikings draft? What grade would you give them? These are a lot of guys that I like. Uh, I like Jordan Addison. Um, while I agree, Mark, uh, third round grade for Makai Blackman, he's definitely a reach there. Uh, but as someone who overvalues the senior bowl, I thought he was really good. Jay Ward is a really fun kind of versatile defensive back uh, with really good size. Jaquelin Roy, uh, you know what you're getting out of that guy. Very like good him, actually. one stopper um, in the fifth round. That's great value. And Dwayne McBride, man, I think – that guy in the seventh round is another steal. Uh, so I, I think their value picks are really strong. Um, I'm good with this draft. I, I, I agree with your, your grade. Solid B. All right. Well, let's move on to the NFC South, and we'll start with the Carolina Panthers, who obviously had the number one pick in the draft after they traded up early. They got quarterback Bryce Young. In the second round, they took Jonathan Mingo. Uh Fifth round, they got Jamie Robinson, defensive back out of Florida State, which was my best value pick. I had him at 80 on my big board, so 145 was a steal. I said my worst value was Jonathan Mingo, though. He went 39th, and he was 101 on my board. I just didn't have Mingo that highly. And at the point that they took Mingo, Mims, Rice, Hyatt, Downs were all on the board. Any of those picks I would have liked better. So I gave him a, I gave him a C. They got their quarterback. That's great. I thought there were some missed opportunities overall in the rest of this draft, but uh, you get your quarterback, and so I can't walk away from it and down ding you too much. So a solid C for me from Carolina. Yeah, I gave them a B, even though I don't like at all what they did on day two. I think their day two is like an F, but I think their day one is an A++++++ because I think they got a special talent, and I think they got QB1 in this draft, and I think they figured out their quarterback position for the next five to 10 years. I would normally say longer than that, but it's not, he's not exactly the most uh, sturdy, durable guy. So I don't know if we're talking about a guy who has got a 10 plus year career, but I think you're talking about the 2023 NFC South champions. I think Bryce Young's going to come in right away and make a massive impact and be one of the 15 to 20 best quarterbacks in football. Um, They have a pretty good roster. I really, really wish they would have added a better receiver than Jonathan Mingo at number 39. Um, if they would have just drafted one of like the seven guys I just named where uh, the Packers could have drafted it over Jaden Reed. Same with the Panthers and Jonathan Mingo here. If this was Jalen Hyatt instead of Jonathan Mingo, if this was Josh Downs instead of Jonathan Mingo, I'd be really, really excited about that. Um, I do know that there are a lot of people that are really high on Mingo. None of us are. Um, so I, I guess maybe it's a little bit of, uh, group think here. Maybe we all are talking ourselves out on Mingo. Maybe he'll turn out to be a better player than we think, but I, I thought that was a reach. There were people who thought he'd go in the first round. DJ Johnson was a crazy reach. That's that he is not a day two player. Like the next two players you got after DJ Johnson are a lot better than DJ Johnson, yeah. in my opinion. Like people apparently love the Chandler's of Olympic. Um, I, I'll defer to dives on that one. And then Jamie Robinson, really good steal in the fifth round, in my opinion. Yeah, this this draft, you know, begins the men's with Bryce Young. Obviously, Mingo was a major reach. DJ Johnson was a major reach. 
Uh, I like Chandler Zavala. He was just outside of my top 10 when it comes to interior offensive linemen. Great athlete. Super, super athlete. Uh, tools there. And then Jamie Robinson in the fifth round is great value. Um, I'll, I'll probably say C, C minus, uh, just because after Bryce Young, who I think is a great selection at number one, I think uh, he is one of the few sure things in the 2023 NFL draft. I don't think they got a lot of sure things. Uh, there, there's some major question marks with the next four picks. I will say that part of what I built into my B is also that they had the ninth pick. Like this was a seven and 10 team who decided we're going to go lock down our quarterback position. Screw yeah. it. Let's go get Bryce young. Like, I think that's an a plus that trade. And then yeah. the pick they made at one was the right pick. So I feel like I want to give yeah. them a little bit of a, a little bit of credit for that. Yeah. I mean, it should have been Anthony Richardson, but we won't relitigate that again. So. I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate that, but I don't think it would have been the correct pick. <laughs> I, I, I would have taken Bryce Young personally, um, but I think Anthony Richardson at one always made more sense than CJ Stroud at one, even though I like Stroud more. I have Stroud as my QB too, but Stroud never made sense as the number one pick. It was always going to be Young or Richardson, in my opinion. All right, let's go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they took Kalijah Kansi in the first round, Cody Mock in the second round. Uh, my best value for them was wide receiver Trey Palmer out of Nebraska at pick 191. Uh, I said my, the worst value was Kalijah Kansi, and Mark agreed with me on that. Uh, my biggest regret for the Panthers in this draft is that they were unable to secure a right tackle throughout the process. Cody Mock is probably going to kick to guard. What that means is Tristan Wirfs, who's been one of the best right tackles in the game for the last several years, is probably going to have to make the switch to left tackle. And I'm not a big fan of taking a guy that's elite at one position and having to move him to another one because you couldn't get a tackle in a deep tackle class. So that was probably my biggest regret for them. Uh, overall, I gave it a C plus. I think they got some good players. Uh, Payne Durham in the fifth round is a good value at that spot. But yeah. at the end of the day, the trenches weren't addressed sufficiently in my opinion. And I hate that. I think that doesn't bode well for the Buccaneers who are, let's be honest, they're trending towards a rebuild. They listed Kalaja Kansi as an edge um, when they released their picks. So wow. um, in that case, I hate it. I hate really? it more. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. You kind of have to be. <laughs> I actually thought it was interesting that they looked at him, not just as a strictly D tackle. It made me like it a little bit more, actually, that they think he might be versatile in that way. I'm not a big Cansey guy. I think I'm lower on Cansey than both of you are. Um, but I did think it was interesting. Malk, I actually think is the best player they got in this draft, not, not Cansey. So um, I do think he could play tackle Cody Malk. I think they announced him as an interior lineman, but I do think he could play tackle. Uh, I'm pretty bullish on his uh, versatility across the entire offensive line. I think he could play any position. Um, so I love that pick. One of my favorite picks on day two. Um, beside that, you know, Diaby's a fine pick. Durham's a fine pick. Palmer's a fine pick. Cansey, like I wouldn't have picked Cansey. It's not one of my favorite picks in the draft, um, but it's not a terrible pick. We're not talking about Mozzie Smith. Like I'll give it like a D plus on the pick, like not an F minus. So it doesn't drag it down that much. And I think Malk's like a B plus. So I'll, I'll give him a C. All right. Dibes, what do you have for us on the Buccaneers? What's their grade? I think it's a C is fair. It's not a sexy draft, but I like four of their first five picks. Like, again, I'm not a Kansi guy, uh, but you know, it makes sense. You know, they need to add youth to their defensive line. 
uh, Cody, y- Yaya was like arguably the biggest winner of the entire combine. That guy, you know, dropped a lot of jaws uh, in many respects. And I'm, I'm, am I the highest here on Payne Durham? I think I am. He made my top 10 tight end rankings. And I don't think you guys had him. I think Payne Durham's got great size. He's a, a, a draft riser. Uh, made some amazing catches. I think at the Senior Bowl, he was like voted the best tight end in the entire Senior Bowl. Uh, yeah, sees fair. All right, let's keep rolling here with the New Orleans Saints. They selected Brian Brissy in the first round at pick twenty nine. Isaiah Foskey at forty. Kendry Miller at seventy one. Uh, my best value of the draft for them was wide receiver A.T. Perry at pick one ninety five. Wow. Uh, just inside my top 100 is my 99th player. Wow. Uh, my worst value for them was Isaiah Foskey, who was 47, and they took him at 40, but they took him over Keon White and BJ Ojolari, which I wasn't a fan of. But my biggest regret for their draft was not flipping their defensive line picks. They went defensive tackle in the first, edge in the second, and if they had just flipped that, they could have taken Nolan Smith in the first round and gotten Keanu Benton in the second round. And I would have liked that pairing a lot more than Brucey and Foskey. So uh, overall, I gave them a C minus. This is one of the drafts that Mark and I differ on the most, uh, although a lot of that comes down to our view of Foskey, a guy that Mark was a lot higher on than I was. Yeah, yeah, I'm really high on Foskey, freak athlete, uh, one of the best performers at the Combine. And he also combines that with being a multi-year producer at a high level at Notre Dame. for in terms of defending the run while also rushing the passer. So um, I love that pick for Foskey. I actually think that was a steal. I had him in the 20. So really, I, I would rather Brzee and Foskey than um, I forget the exact com- Smith and uh, Benton. And I like Smith and Benton, but I actually have Foskey one spot above Smith. Um, and I have Brzee a good bit above Benton. So um, I really like that. Those first two picks. Kendry Miller, third round 71 is probably a little bit high for Kendry Miller. But I really like him as a prospect. I think he's really similar to Miles Sanders. Um, so to, to combine that with Alvin Kamara, uh, who might miss some time this year due to some legal trouble, uh, I do actually like that pick for Kendry Miller. And thinking long-term, Kamara is probably not there for, for long now at this point at his age. Um, I like the idea with Hayner. I'm not a Hayner guy, but I know that there are a lot of people who like him. Um, so... You know, I'm I'm not in on him, but you know, whatever. You got Derek Carr's fourth round pick. I'm fine investigating on a quarterback there. But Dives touched on it. At Perry was one of my guys. I had him 69th, and he went 195th. That is an insane, insane fall for At Perry, one of the only bigger receivers in this draft class. I really, really like At Perry, so I thought that was disrespectful that he fell that far. I wonder what happened there. All right, Dibes, what do you have on on this one? I mean, yeah, they got good athleticism at uh, defensive line. Falski, Brzee, uh, that's solid. Kendry Miller's a very good running back, um, like Mark said. Maybe a slight reach. Jake Hayner, uh, if you remember the Senior Bowl, like worst quarterback play I've ever seen. But Jake <laughs> Hayner was one of those guys that actually showed just a little bit, if that's saying anything. I don't know what it was, like – I remember because I worked throughout the draft and I remember just dying on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and I don't remember A.T. Perry being on the board in round six. So I 
I'm shocked that he was there. Like you guys said, best value. Uh, so I'll play devil's advocate. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll play politician and say C plus. All right, splitting the difference there. That's what makes My, Dibes a good guest. He gets to ride the middle here. I almost went B plus too because I, I really do think they got a good amount of. I think they got four good football players here, but um, I almost went B plus. I stuck with B not to give the Saints too much credit for anything ever. <laughs> Okay, let's go to the last team in the NFC South. It is the Atlanta Falcons who took Bijan Robinson at number eight, Matthew Bergeron, offensive lineman at 38, Zach Harrison, the edge rusher at 75, and then the guy that Mark and I both had as our best value pick was Clark Phillips at 113. He was the number 43 player on my big board. So we had the same best value, same worst value in Matthew Bergeron, who I had 65, he went 38. It's too high. Um my biggest regret for the Falcons is prioritizing an already good rushing attack over a horrific pass rush. I mean, they were the number three DVOA rushing team last season, and they were the only team to do it without a 500-yard rushing quarterback. The top two, the Ravens and the Eagles, both had a quarterback that rushed for over 700 yards. So they were able to generate – you could argue they've got the best rushing attack, you know, just running backs – they had a fifth round pick last year in Tyler Algier who got a thousand yards and, and they spent pick eight on a running back. And it just doesn't make sense to me. Like over half the teams last season had 40 or more sacks. Atlanta has less than 40 sacks in the last two seasons combined. Wow. The priority should have been pass rusher, not a running back. And so I gave him a C and maybe that's too high. Cause I can understand where they're going with the Bajon Robinson pick. They're trying to zig when everybody else zags and, build this power running attack and maybe it works and maybe we all look stupid in a few years, but I, I didn't like, I thought it was a misuse of resources. You know what else is a misuse of resources? The Falcons not offering their next five first round picks, the deed to their franchise and the rights to their stadium naming rights for Lamar Jackson. Cause why the heck would they not? They're the least interesting team in football. And I understand that BJ B John Robinson is a flashy pick. Maybe that'll put some butts in the seats uh, at their new stadium, but it's a terrible pick when you're a team that's not ready to compete whatsoever. I feel bad for Arthur Smith. This is his third year. They've been seven and 10 in each of the last two years. I praised him in each of the last two years because their roster is bad and they haven't had their quarterback figured out and they're still competing and winning seven games. They're going to win seven games again this year and he's going to get fired. And he will have never had an NFL quarterback as a starter because Desmond, the fact that you're rolling forward with Desmond Ritter and committing resources like a running back at the pick number eight, which is a short term pick, like you're prioritizing the next four to five years of his contract over a long term pick when you're picking B. John Robinson number eight. And you're doing that with Desmond Ritter as your quarterback. Like, I just don't understand it. The only reason I was willing to even listen to the Eagles, Bijan Robinson hypothetical was because the Eagles were very good. And the Eagles, if you're drafting Bijan Robinson, you're drafting an elite talent in a Super Bowl window at a position where you can use him right away and you can use him up and you don't have to worry about the long term impact and the cap implications. It doesn't make that sense for the Atlanta Falcons. So um, I love the Clark Phillips pick. I hate everything else they did. Matthew Bergeron, I had it outside of my top 80. Um, I really, really did not like his tape. I don't really get 
him going in the top 40. So um, Falcons, I don't understand what they're doing as a franchise at the quarterback position uh, or in general. All right. Dives, anything you want to add on to that about the Falcons? I mean, you know where this is going. Um, I, I just feel sorry for Atlanta Falcons fans. Uh, this is arguably the worst draft in the entire NFL. Uh, B. John Robinson at eight is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. As I've said a thousand times over the last several months, uh, Zach Harrison, the dude's a role player, um, p- pass rushing specialist, Clark Phillips, role player. Uh, and I like Clark Phillips. I think he's going to be a good player down the road. Uh, but <laughs> top to bottom, like this is this is a massive, massive swing and a miss. Um, sorry, Atlanta. All right. Let's roll on to our final division. It is the NFC West, and we'll start with the Cardinals, who traded down from 3 to 12, back up to 6, and they selected Paris Johnson. Uh, they took B.J. Ojolari in the second round. Um, I said that my best value for them was just their trade maneuvering like going from three to 12 back to six uh, if i ran the math if you assume the future first round pick they got from the texans is the fifth overall pick which i think is a uh, worst case scenario because i think the texans might have the number one overall pick next year their surplus value was a mid like first round pick and they got the guy they wanted anyways in paris johnson so their trade maneuvering was fantastic uh, their worst value, I said, was Garrett Williams, who they took at 72. I had him at 110. Uh, their biggest draft regret is hiring Jonathan Gannon because they did so illegally and it cost them a pick. Um, but overall, I gave them an A- minus grade. I thought they did a really good job in this draft, and they set themselves up perfectly next season to get a quarterback if they want to move on from Kyler or get so much capital to move down from two top five picks that they're going to have. Uh they're sitting really pretty for next year. Yeah, I really liked the trade down from number three. And even still, I understand that they picked up value if you just look at it like a trade down from three to six. But I'll, I will just say with the fact that Broderick Jones fell to 14 or 15, wherever he ended 13, I forget exactly where he got drafted. Um, I would have just stuck at 12 if I was Arizona and taken Broderick Jones. I have Paris Johnson OT1 and I have Broderick Jones OT3. But I don't think that there's any – I don't have that big of a gap at all between the two prospects. So um, I, I don't even think they should have given up that second rounder to move up to six. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a fine draft. The reason I have a B instead of like an A- minus is because I'm not high on Ojolari. I'm not really high on Garrett Williams. Michael Wilson's theoretical. And while you're Arizona, you're in a rebuild, you can make that pick. But he's more theoretical. He's a project. Um, but Paris Johnson is apparently the guy that Kyler wanted. He is my offensive lineman number one in this draft. So um, I have to give them credit for for such an amazing trade down from number three more than anything else. I don't necessarily love any of the selections they made, but getting that value and having the Texans first pick next year and you know potentially putting yourself in a position to get the first pick uh, with two chances at it, uh, you just have to be, you have to applaud that by a rebuilding GM. By the way, I don't know if you guys saw Seth Walder from ESPN tweeted out earlier today. He was looking back at all of the non-QB trade-ups in the last 20 years uh, and how much of an overpay they were. And let me throw it up on the screen here. Uh, I tweeted this out. If you're listening to the audio later, you can look at it uh, go on my Twitter. But in the last 20 years, 
the trade up to number three for Will Anderson, or in this case, I guess the trade down, but the Texans overpaid by the second largest amount of any trade in the last 20 years of the draft, according to draft value. Now, the, the one that's more of an overpay was the Julio Jones trade up for the Falcons back in the day. But the difference is the Falcons were a playoff team that were trading up high to get a receiver and they made the playoff two more years after that. And by the way, his data, it, it assumes that the pick would be 16th for all future picks. And that's obviously not going to be the case for the Texans. So uh, just horrific value there for the Texans, but we're not talking about the Texans. So tremendous value for the Cardinals there. I'll just say, cause it's a funny one that Mark Marcus Davenport being like the third biggest trade on there. that The saints moved up to like the mid teens to take a defensive lineman that nobody wanted. Very funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, I dives. I didn't ask you on this one. I cut it. I cut in after Mark. what do you think on the Cardinals? I think it's solid. You know, I think, you know, obviously we talked about the trade, uh, but Paris Johnson's Paris Johnson, BJ Ojolari, uh, back-to-back, very solid picks. I'm a big Michael Wilson guy. Uh, dominated the Senior Bowl. Major, major health, uh, health injury issues with Michael Wilson. Cannot stay on the field. Uh, but talent-wise, separation-wise, uh, it's all there. Can can it translate? Who knows? Uh, Owen Papo is really good player. Just really small. If that guy was like two or three inches taller, that guy would probably be drafted in uh, day one or day two. And then Dante Stills, uh, I, I thought, is an underrated interior defensive lineman. Uh, really fun prospect. Um, I go B. Michael if Wilson. Owen, if, oh, go ahead, Mark. Michael Wilson, that guy must have had a really stinky quarterback to, to not break out. Right? <laughs> if, if Owen Papo was four inches taller, he would be a member of the Detroit Lions because they would have went linebacker at 12, linebacker at 18, and really fixed their defense. <laughs> I will say Detroit had some of the worst linebacker play of all time last year. <laughs> to, not to go back to the Lions. I hate the Jack Campbell pick, but it was funny. Like I remember watching Hard Knocks and I was like, this is their linebacker room. <laughs> like, it was bad. Nate Gary, come on down. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Up next, we have the Seattle Seahawks who had a, they crushed, absolutely crushed the first round of the draft with Devon Witherspoon at five Jackson Smith and Jigba at 20. Unfortunately, I really didn't like what they did on day two. And that's what keeps this from being an a for me. It knocked it down to a B. They took Derek Hall uh, at 37. He was 88 on my big boards. That was my biggest reach. And then they took Zach Charbonnet, a player I really liked, but they've drafted nine running backs since 2016, which is the most in the NFL. And Kenneth Walker was incredible last year. So I didn't like the Charbonnet pick for them. I love the player. Um, and then they got Kenny McIntosh in the seventh round. And like, that should have been your running back to, to compliment Kenneth Walker, not a second round pick on Zach Charbonnet. So they chronically overinvest at running back. And I didn't like the Derek Hall pick, but their first round was so good. I gave them a solid B. I love this draft. It's one of my favorite drafts of the entire NFL. I gave them an A. And the funny thing about it is my least favorite thing that they did was Shane's favorite thing that they did, I think, was taking Devin Witherspoon at five. I think that's too high for Witherspoon. None of us had him that high. I mean, what was – I don't know. I, I can't remember exactly where you two had him. I think you had him in the, the lower end of the top ten or outside of the top ten, if I'm not mistaken. 
Five. I had high. I had him at nine. Dibes had him at eight. You had him at fifteen. Yeah, I think Jalen Carter was the pick there, especially since they definitely needed a defensive tackle. They took one in the fourth round. Jalen Carter should have been the pick, or you should have traded back considering the fact that Joey Porter didn't go until later. Christian Gonzalez went 17, and those were both players I had ranked above Witherspoon personally. So I think Witherspoon is a lock to be a good player, though, so I have to give them some credit that I think they, no matter what, landed a good player there with Witherspoon. Next, you got one of my favorite players in the entire draft and my favorite value in the first round was Jackson Smith and Jigba. Plug him in with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Put him in Tyler Lockett University and have a long-term fit with DK Metcalf. Uh, I think that it's absolutely perfect. And you're giving you're giving Geno Smith every opportunity to prove out that that contract is a steal and that he's the guy. That's, that's one of the best wide receiver, maybe the deepest in terms of all three wide receiver core in the NFL right now. Um, big dip. It's kind of like the Isaiah Foskey thing. I love Derek Hall. Um, so that's where me and Shane differ here. I think that's a great pick at 37. Funny thing is Derek Hall, another one of my guys, I had him 40 and they, he goes 37. So he goes even higher than I had him ranked, but I think he's a stud. I think he's a lock to be a productive player, at least at the next level, because of his athleticism, because of his traits, because of his ability to rush the passer, which he showed in the SEC. I love Derek Hall. I think he's going to make an impact right away, especially the way that Seattle rotates in and out uh, defensive ends. And then we get to the running backs. I understand that they overinvest in running backs. Zach Charbonnet is a really good player. He's really, really good. I really like Zach Charbonnet. And then Kenny McIntosh. We all like Kenny McIntosh. Like, as a deep sleeper guy, like, I think he's a great third or fourth running back to have on your roster. And the one thing that I'll give Pete Carroll, the one out I'll give him, is the fact that Seattle drafts all these running backs. They all get hurt. There's something <laughs> going on in Seattle where none of their running backs can stay healthy at all. Chris Carson broke his leg like four times. Rashad Penny can't couldn't stay healthy ever. Um, Kenneth Walker, I think, was banged up last year at, at times. So I, I think I think it's one of those things. Like when you get older, I think you like just overreact to things, and you're like, I'm never gonna not have a running back again. That's Pete Carroll right now. Pete Carroll is sick every year of watching. I, like last year, I remember in fantasy, they had years there. They had weeks where like DJ Dallas was their RB one. So I, I think Pete Carroll saw that, and he's like. We're never not going to have a running back ready to play again. We're going to have two really good ones. No matter what, we'll always have one, and we'll figure it out when they're both healthy. But they'll never both be healthy at the same time. I think that's how Pete Carroll's looking at it. Yeah, that's not not bad. As a as an owner of both Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall in the TPL Fantasy League last year, <laughs> I was devastated by running back injuries oh. all season. Well, we'll do it again this year, pal. Oh. Dives, what do you think about the Seahawks draft? <laughs> I mean, their top four picks are straight bangers, you know, straight A. I mean, that's that's what it is. Um, yeah, I can't believe how far Kenny McIntosh fell. Uh, I think I had that guy graded as a day two guy, like before the draft process. Uh, and given everything I saw at Georgia and then the, you know, 2022 draft with their top two wide running backs there, I, I'm surprised he fell so much after that combine. It's kind of sad. Uh, dude lost a lot of money. Uh, Olu Oluwatimi, uh, center out of Michigan. Uh, a lot of people love that guy are really, really high on Olu. Um, I, they, he's when I dropped my interior offensive lineman, uh, video, 
I got so many comments on Olu, uh, and people love him. People are really high on that guy. One to watch out for. I have a take because I actually forgot because I got so sidetracked by the running backs. The Seattle Seahawks got a better combination of Michigan prospects in the fifth round than the Dallas Cowboys got in the first and second. <laughs> That's my take. I had Mike Morris and Ola Sagan Olawatimi in my top 100. I did not have Motsi Smith or Luke Shoemaker in my top 100. There's a take for you. I don't think that's far off at all. That's not far. Right. Mike, Mike Morris is a good football player. Let me write down that timestamp because that's going out on Twitter tomorrow. <laughs> I like clip. that. All I right. That. Mike Morris, by the way, right up my alley, like a 6'6 <laughs> D end, like just huge long arms, like six his hands up for pass deflections. That's my kind of guy. George George Karlaftis kind of guy. Yeah, uh, more so Gregory Russo. That's like okay. <laughs> we're talking about like my pure my pure type of my type is Gregory Russo. All right, moving on to one of my favorite drafts to talk about. It is the San Francisco <laughs> 49ers who did not have a pick in either of the first two rounds and then with a third round pick took a kicker. And I mean my regret for the 49ers, a kicker, really? Like, that's going to fix everything that ailed you. They had two top 100 picks. They took zero top 100 players on my board. Easy F, worst draft in the entire draft. Yeah, I totally agree. 32nd out of 32 for me. Um, they did not get a top 100 player for me either. Picking a kicker is an absolute joke. It's really arrogant move by Kyle Shanahan, in, in my opinion. One of the San Francisco beat writers tweeted out, uh, you don't know whether or not these Eagles picks will work out and if the Georgia selections and DeAndre Swift trade will work out, but you're watching a team in the NFC that's seeing a weak NFC and trying to capitalize on it in Philadelphia while in San Francisco, you're seeing a team that thinks they already have a stranglehold in the NFC arrogantly try to add luxury pieces to their roster. Stupid draft. Uh, I don't understand it. I actually like Cameron Latu more than a lot of people do. I ranked him, I think, when we did our tight end rankings, and I don't think you guys did. He didn't make my top 100, and you picked him at 101, so I don't like him that much. But I don't hate that pick. But I hate everything else they did. Yeah, Dives, uh, what do you want to add in? You want to pile on the 49ers there? Yes, please. Uh, the only guy I like out of this uh, who made my most underrated list is Daryl Luter. Uh, small school cornerback prospect uh, in terms of production has some of the best uh, numbers at the cornerback position, led the nation in terms of lowest catch rate allowed in 2021. Another great season last year in 2022, small school prospect, but uh, doesn't have the greatest athleticism, but he plays bigger uh, than his size uh, for South Alabama. Uh, so Daryl Luter is a really good, really good pick, especially in that like fifth round uh, area. I, I like Daryl Luter. That's the only guy worth mentioning out of this group. F. Yeah, they should have instead of taking a kicker in the third round, they should have traded that third round pick for a box of tissues to give to Debo Samuel so he can keep <laughs> crying about how much he hates Eagles fans. So. Anyways, all right, let's go on to our last team here in the NFC. It is the Los Angeles Rams, who uh, for like the 82nd year in a row did not have a first-round pick. But they took Steve Avila. Uh, they're listing him as a center in the second round at pick 36. Byron Young and Kobe Turner in the third round. Stetson Bennett 
in the fourth round, a guy who skipped the senior bowl and got arrested instead. Uh, and they're going to put him in LA. That'd be great fit for him culture wise. But I said their best value came in the sixth round when they got defensive back Trevious Hodges Tomlinson at pick 182. He was the number 83 player on my big board. But their worst pick was Steve Avila, who I had 70th on my big board. And I thought I was kind of high on Avila, and they took him at 36. Uh, biggest draft regret for the Rams is that Michael Mayer went off the board at 35. This is a team that desperately needs some weapons. I mean, they need off they need everything. That's what happens when you don't make a first-round pick in eight years. But Michael Mayer would have been a slam-dunk pick for them at 36, and he goes off the board one pick before. Um, I did give it a B overall. I'm not going to like credit, you know, I'm not going to downgrade you for not, I got to grade you with the picks you had and you didn't have a first rounder. So it's hard to make those splashes, but I like some guys. They got uh, Hodges, Tomlinson, Pukunakua, uh, Zach Evans, even down there in the sixth round. So I liked some things that they did, but uh, it's a team that's headed in the wrong direction for sure. But I gave them a B. Yeah. It's a team that's headed in the wrong direction. And there are a couple picks in here that I just don't like, uh, you know, Kobe Turner. I think that's high. Stetson Bennett, that's a joke. He's not an NFL quarterback at all. Um, I, I tweeted out something. I remember I, I lost a bet on Georgia in the uh, SEC championship last year. They ended up repaying Alabama and winning the national championship. But I tweeted, when Stetson Bennett is the backup for the Vikings in three years and you know has to come in due to an injury, bet against Stetson Bennett. Well, I, I, I kept that tabbed away maybe it'll be the rams not the vikings um i, I do think davis allen's a fine pick puka naku is fine zach evans is fine um i like trivia Hodgins tomlinson that was why he's my best value there um steve avila like i'm fine with it i had him 57 so it's not like a crazy reach for me but you had osiris torrance there who i had 16 and i think osiris torrance you could have got a first round value in the second round and you haven't had a first rounder on your team drafted to your team by you in a long time so uh, I would have really liked them taking a Torrance and I would have given them a B if they did so. So I gave him a C probably could have been a D honestly. I don't like what they did really. I don't know why it was a C. <laughs> yeah. The it's funny. The, the last first round pick that you made now plays for the Detroit lions and you gave them two first round picks to get rid of him. That's hilarious. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dives, what did you have uh, here on the Rams? Give me give me your grade for them. It's Jared Goff for the people who don't know out there, by the way. Who oh, mentioning. yeah. Yeah, sorry. that Some of you might not have been football fans that long ago when the when the Rams actually drafted a first-round pick. My apologies. This cemented it. Like, if there was a, the biggest winner of the draft process, uh, Senior Bowl, Combine, you name it, Stetson Bennett being a fourth freaking round pick, man. He got it. <laughs> Man, he was dominant at the combine. He turned heads. We, I talked about it with Mark Schofield. Uh, you know, he's the winner of the draft. Stetson Bennett is a fourth-round pick who went from by far an undraft, not even an undraft. I didn't even think he belonged in the NFL to a fourth-round pick. How about that? That's pretty it, cool. Yeah, it helps when Matthew Stafford's your buddy, and he's the quarterback <laughs> of the Rams, and you guys both went to Georgia, and you won two national championships. I can't stand Stetson Bennett. He's like 35 years old. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that wasn't he Matthew Stafford's backup when they were both in Georgia? <laughs> yeah, together? yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they roomed <laughs> Matthew together. Stafford went into Les Snead's office like, hey, listen, fourth-round pick, 
my buddy. We 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 hung out back in the day at Georgia together. I was a senior when he was a freshman for the first time. He was also he was actually uh, the on that high school team that everyone talks about with Matthew Stafford and Clayton Kershaw. The third <laughs> friend was Stetson Bennett. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Nick Hampton at App State. Uh, uh, Nick or uh, Mark, I think you would like him. Uh, great size, elite athleticism. Didn't have a really good season in 2022, but he made my underrated list. Uh, I think he's probably going to be a th- a guy in a three four defense. I don't know, um, but um, real really nice tools, really nice tools. Nick Hampton um, in the fifth round. That's the only guy that like sticks out to me that uh, I'll be definitely be watching moving forward. All right. And so I took mine and Mark's grades and sort of averaged them out. And so this is what we came up with. uh, And they're in order from left to right to break ties. So I'll read it out here for those of you that are just listening on audio. Uh, Number one, we had the Philadelphia Eagles draft. Number two was the New York Giants. Number three was the Seattle Seahawks. Those were our A drafts. Moving into the B tier, at number four, we had the Arizona Cardinals, five, the Minnesota Vikings, six, the Carolina Panthers. Moving into the C tier, at seven, was the Los Angeles Rams, eight, New Orleans Saints, nine, the Green Bay Packers, 10, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 11, the Chicago Bears, 12, the Atlanta Falcons. Then down to the D tier, where 13, we have the Washington Commanders, 14, the Dallas Cowboys, 15, the Detroit Lions, and rounding it off with our lone F of the draft, in the NFC at least, was the San Francisco 49ers, who clocked in with the worst draft in the NFC. So that's going to about wrap this show up. That is our NFC draft grades. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week to do an AFC uh, draft grade show where we'll grade, you know, Similarly, we're not going to give everybody A's and B's. We want to really talk about these drafts. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, before we get out of here, Dives, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, anything you want to plug? The floor is yours. No, I'm intrigued where this Eagles-Giants rivalry goes from here because uh, there's a pattern tr- uh, now happening between solid drafts, at least the last two years, between Philly and New York. So Eagles-Giants, they still got Daniel Jones at the end of the day. It is what it is, but uh, they are definitely doing it right in New York, and it pains me to say that. Yeah. All right, Mark, any final thoughts? Yeah, my final thoughts. Uh, there's a narrative out there. Mike Silver, he's a reporter. He always, he messed up a lot of picks, by the way. Um, and he, <laughs> he's a reporter who uh, always, every year, yells and screams, Oh, what? That's a bad pick because the mock drafters and analysts didn't have him going high? And making fun of when people overreact about a reach or a pick because of where the pre-draft rankings had them. And then, I, you know, just for instance, I was tweeting about how I didn't think the commanders were going to be very good this year. And I don't think that they got much better in the draft this season. And I had a commanders fan coming after me like, oh, but because of your rankings, because of the mock drafts and analysts. Let me just tell you that the mock drafts and analysts in my rankings – have done a lot better job than the Washington football team has done in terms of drafting and predicting good talent. So I would, if I was a fan of a team like the Washington commanders, I wouldn't talk down about draft analysts as much as I would about my own front office. Um, Just something I wanted to throw out there. And of course, when we're doing these draft grades, they're based on what we think. 
So like it that's of course it's based on my rankings. It's what I think. Like that's that's <laughs> the whole point of, of doing this. It's the whole point of us doing this research. It's the whole point of us coming up with the rankings we have. So we have opinions. So when you make that selection, we have our opinions to fall back on from before you made the selection to tell you how we feel about it. We should uh we should just do a spoof show next year where we grade every team's draft based on that team's big board and we just give them all A pluses. Yeah, like what are we doing then? Like what are we ever talking about if we're like not able to be critical of anything? Like yeah, it makes me frustrated. Another final thought I will just say cuz it's in my my name right here, Mark Henry Jr. underscore my Twitter where you can follow me. My headline is, it's afraid of Seattle. My official prediction, Seattle Seahawks win 12 or 13 games and are the number two team in the NFC. Everyone's talking about the Niners-Eagles rivalry. Niners won't even win the NFC West. Geno Smith, they wrote him off. He didn't write back, though, and now he's got Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think Seattle's our biggest competition in the NFC. God, he, look at this guy. He's now a Seattle fit. Let's, That's a take. There's a take right. for you. Wow. Yeah, I had a I had a Cowboys fan yelling at me on Twitter about oh you know about Mazzie Smith that you just hate Mazzie Smith because the Cowboys picked him and I just like put the link for my tweet from like three weeks before the draft where I had a third round grade on him. It was like nope, I'm just evaluating things on my board that I put out ahead of time, which is what exactly. we're doing. So you don't like it? Who cares? Maybe we're maybe we're <laughs> maybe we're wrong. But I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you're interested in our analysis, and if you're not then what are you listening for? Go listen to something else. So, uh, but hope you guys enjoy the podcast, the stuff. I mean, it's all about prospect evaluations that we've worked on and now we're evaluating, you know, what we think kind of like Mark said. And we will be wrong on plenty of them and we'll be right on plenty of them. And by the way, GMs will be wrong on plenty of them. That's how it works. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, that's going to wrap this one up. Thank you guys for joining us for episode 106 of Chalk Talk, our first live show in almost three months. Uh, if you enjoy what you heard on the show, and we know that you do, smash that subscribe button and turn on notifications so you don't miss the next episode. Drop us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Shane Half NFL. Mark is at Mark Henry Jr. Dives is at Mr. Crockpot. Chalk Talk has its own Twitter account at Chalk Talk NFL. Go give it a like. We're going to be tweeting clips from there throughout the week. So for me, Mark, Dives, Edge of Philly Sports from Chalk Talk, we will see you guys next time.